Hey, hey, welcome uh, to Alaska On The Go, the Alaska On The Go podcast. It's a, it's a new way to learn, share, and get tips about exploring the 49th state with the kids, all about family travel here in Alaska. My name is James Gaddis. And my name is Aaron Kirkland, and together we're here to bring you the best in Alaska family travel and a little bit about life in the last frontier. <laughs> This episode, we're talking Iditarod 2019, kicking off in just a couple of days. The last great race is celebrating 47 years, James, of traveling 1,000 miles between Anchorage and Nome. And this year, there are 52 teams making their way to the finish line under Nome's Burled Arch. 52. That's a lot of supplies. It's a lot. It's a lot of dogs. Lots. It's a lot of dog you know what along the trail. It just is. I'm just saying. Uh, it's true, man. It's, it is true, and it is a, a tradition unlike any other, the Iditarod uh, here in Alaska. So we are going to talk about some of the best places for you to bring the kids, yep. to bring the family, um, to go watch that ceremonial start that, that Saturday. Right. Uh, it's the first sat. It's always the first Saturday, Saturday in, March, in March. That's right? right, and it starts right here in downtown Anchorage. Right. So there are a number of locations. So whether you like the crowds or you don't, you want to stay close to home or maybe venture out somewhere you haven't been before, uh, Aaron has scoped them all out, knows the best spots to go. Uh, but first things first, before we begin talking race watching strategy, we want to make sure that you know that Alaska on the go is not just another podcast. In fact, it's the only podcast about exploring the 49th state with your family. The only one. The only one. It's produced by two professional journalists who know Alaska. Oh, man, we know kids. Mm -hmm. Got a lot of them collectively. <laughs> uh, and the local media landscape. But this is important to succeed. We need your help. We really do. So sponsoring an episode of Alaska on the Go is going to ensure success as we share the last frontier with Alaska and the world. The whole world. Everybody wants to come to Alaska, James. Everybody. And we're right here. It's a bucket list destination. Yeah. But yeah, we're already here. And uh, we already have uh, a new email address we do. set up. Yeah, we were able to lock down, as simply put, alaskaonthego at gmail.com. Alaskaonthego at gmail.com to get in touch with us if you'd like to sponsor an episode. Or if you have a great idea. Yeah, we're I taking mean, all and any. Limitless. Alaska is. So if you have an idea of information you want to know, a destination you'd like to take your kids, but you've never been there, or maybe you have a tip to share, James and I want to hear from you. Yeah. And uh, Aaron will likely have lots of good answers because Aaron, you literally, uh, you literally, again, before we get into the, the crux of the podcast, you literally wrote the book on family travel in Alaska. I did, didn't I? 2014. That's a long time ago. It feels like it. Yeah, it, believe me, it feels like it. I wrote uh, my first book called Alaska on the Go, Exploring the 49th State with Children. It is the first catch-all travel guide to getting around Alaska with kids. So we did things on water. We did things on land. We did things in the air. We were everywhere with our son, Owen, and uh, pulled it all together into a book. And it's been a pretty successful endeavor. And now we're just ready to jump forward and do some more stuff. Yeah, because when we talk expert advice on this podcast, we I just want you, everyone listening to know that they are hearing from the expert when it comes to family travel in Alaska. I'm an expert at, at something, but we can get to that at another time yes. once yeah. we figure it out. We could do a whole show about that. Okay. I'm okay. an expert at asking you yeah. for help about That's exploring right. the 49th state with the four kids and the two dogs. So let's get to Iditarod 2019, uh, kicking off Saturday. Downtown is the ceremonial start. 
James, uh, the ceremonial start begins. But let, let me let me back up a little bit, James, and explain what the ceremonial start really is about. So back in the old days, when the Iditarod sled dog race first was taken off, it, you were able to start from downtown Anchorage, go through Anchorage, go out to Eagle River, across Kinnick Arm, and the bridge, and then just carry on your merry way to Nome. Well, this thing called roads and lots more people started infringing upon uh, the Iditarod trail. So back in the 80s, they decided this is not going to work anymore. So we're going to split this up. We're going to have two starts. The first ceremonial start, because from a financial perspective, from a tourist perspective, it's really important that we have this start in downtown Anchorage. Mm -hmm. You've been to the ceremonial start. It's like a big party. Yeah. It's also on the heels of Alaska's largest winter festival, which is called Fur Rendezvous. So Fur Rendezvous is winding down. Iditarod is winding up. There's people everywhere along 4th Avenue. And so it's this cacophony of excitement and dogs and people and all the things that go along with that. So that's why we have the ceremonial start. All the mushers gather starting on Friday, downtown 4th Avenue, so that's kind of the main main drag of, of downtown Anchorage, and on the side streets, James. So if you want to see the dogs, that's a really good time to do that. And then they take off starting every, uh, every two minutes after 10 a.m., boom, 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 until all 52 mushers have gone the 11 miles or so. Uh, between downtown Anchorage and the Campbell Airstrip. So that's a little bit kind of southeast Anchorage. So it's um, plenty of space for everyone to go watch, but that's why the ceremonial start exists. They're going to pack up their dogs, and Sunday there's going to be the official start. Some people call it the restart. You'll hear both of those interchangeably out on Willow Lake, which is another completely different but very exciting event to attend to. Okay, so now that we better understand yeah. what the ceremonial start is all about, right. let's talk about the best places to go watch it. And I guess we start where it starts. That's right. Down on 4th Avenue, as we mentioned, it is. It's a big party. So uh, that said, be prepared. Oh, boy, yeah. Get there early. Find your parking. A lot of a lot of people will be there. It'll be packed. Yes, and, and here's the thing, parents with kids, especially if you have small kids. So 4th Avenue and the side streets are going to be completely closed off all the way from down by Snow City, well, around the courthouses, Snow City Cafe, you can actually still park down there and maybe swing in for a cocoa or something, a little breakfast, right? Mm -hmm. You love that place. Yeah. But you're going to need to walk along 4th Avenue, and they block off the actual streets, so you can't walk in the streets. So everyone is funneled along the sidewalks, and they have fencing up, and you can only cross when the trail guards say you can cross. It gets super crowded. So I like to park either at the far West End, down by Snow City, L Street, down there, and walk or park beyond Cordova Street on the eastern side. Sometimes I'll park even by the Sheraton Hotel on uh, Fifth Avenue and walk my way in. No matter what, folks, you're going to be walking on Iditarod Ceremonial Start Day. So bring the kids in a front pack or a backpack because that's a lot of walking for little legs, right, James? We yeah. know about that. Uh -huh. Yes. Uh, maybe bring a sled if you're not going to be in the crush of people downtown. But just be prepared. It's crazy. It's busy. It's louder than heck. If you have kiddos that are at all sensitive to loud noises, this may not be the spot for them. Because between, so let's do some multiplication. I don't do math. 52 teams, right. 14 dogs each. That's a lot of dogs. a lot noise. of dogs is the Right. Answer. And then the announcers are going and the music. And so it, it can be a little stressful for families. So, but that said, everyone, James, should watch 
the ceremonial start from Fourth Avenue at least once. I think it's the ultimate yeah. ceremonial start experience. Yeah. You need to just it's like it's like New Year's Eve going to Times Square. A lot yeah. of people you just have to do it once at yeah. the very least. It's really not you know it's the crowd isn't overwhelming, but it no. it is busy. And uh, from what I've uh, kept note of when we went. Um, let's see, it was two years ago, so by then Sage and Jet were six and seven. Yeah. Um, so they weren't tall enough to see over the fences. Good point. So be prepared. They're going to want to get up on your shoulders maybe. Um, and sometimes that's if you can even get up to the fence because usually, it. I mean, people are just there along it. So it's it can be tough to get in. Yeah. Just be prepared. Yeah. But it um, is a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. And, you know, I guess along with that, uh, we usually head downtown by around 8.30 in the morning. Oh, okay. Uh, which is early. We're yeah. the last minute arrivers. Right. So, that makes so it more probably, difficult which us. is why you're putting your kids on your shoulders. Yes. If you really want to get up by the fence, that's how early you're going to have to get there. Now, pro tip, though, for downtown. If you continue walking 4th Avenue East toward Cordova, it thins out like crazy. So you can actually be right along uh, the, they put some rope up so nobody crosses into the trail. You can be right along that rope. Actually, the sunshine comes there first. Okay. It looks like the weather's going to be good. It gets real chilly downtown. Um, or you can go to the turn at Cordova and head down Cordova Street, and then the crowd thins out there as well. So you're just going to have to find out where you guys catch the best spot. That's a cool spot because if you go down at the, the end, so beyond, you know, cross 15th yep. and go down Cordova, you can see them coming Coming yep. from up above, and they come right down at you. It's a great spot to get to get Photos. pictures. Yeah. yeah, and it was pretty open. There's a lot of room yeah. for the kids to hang out. Yeah. Now, uh, sometimes I'll park by the Anchorage Memorial Park right there, the the cemetery. There's always some parking over there, and you can walk over. Bring some food. Bring some cocoa. Bring some hand warmers. All that kind of stuff. If you're going to be downtown, actually, if you're going to be anywhere, uh, but downtown just feels colder a lot of times. I don't know why. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know. It's usually because we never go down there prepared. I'm a travel writer, not a weather so, person. Oh, you forgot your gloves anyway. again? Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry. Take mine, and now I'm cold. Natural consequences. That's how right. it works out. <laughs> so that's downtown. So that's downtown, Cordova Street. Um, and then the trail works its way down the Chester Creek Trail, Correct. which isn't on our list, but because I live near it, yes. I love plopping in over there. Uh, there were a few parties there last year. that They were more for the adults. I'm just going to throw it out there, but... Uh, that's that just kind of speaks to what this event is and how many people come out for it and how oh, important it is. Gosh, yes. But, and the mushers look forward to that part. You know, people hand them beverages, beverages, hot dogs, frosted beverages. Yes, you can feel free to do that. The mushers know that that this is where most of you know Alaska like gets to see them start the race. So they love to give high fives. Kids, here's a tip. Yell at them, booties, booties. Maybe they'll throw you some dog booties or candy in them sometimes. Some of the mushers have candy. Mm -hmm. I was just going to say that. And mm -hmm. that the, the eyes light up when the candy comes out. Yeah. Yeah. So Chester Creek is good. Um, but since you live there, parking can be kind of funky, right? It's neighborhood yeah. area. Yeah. 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 It so, just happens to be close to me. Right. But there is access if it's something yeah. you want to give a try. So next on our list, though, of, of the top five spots um, would be uh, Goose Lake. You know, and, yeah, Goose Lake, University Lake, that whole UAA, AP, Alaska Pacific University. Mm -hmm. So the teams cross Northern Lights Boulevard with that um, pedestrian and bike bridge, which is really fun to watch them kind of come over there. Then they take a hard left and get into that APU University Lake trail system. Now, this is where, folks, you get into the forest a little bit. Things deep breath, calm down mm -hmm. a little bit. The teams are settling in. Uh, each musher has an Iditarider, a person who has paid money 
to ride in the sled with a musher that you have time to talk. And so if you want to get out into the woods a little bit, have some playtime for the kids, this is a good place to go. So you can park at Goose Lake Park, which does fill up a little bit, or you can park over by um, University Lake and the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium parking. So that whole big com complex by the Alaska Native Medical Center. That's good. Also on a sunny day, the sun hits right there. It's excellent. You can watch teams come under the tunnel and then head over Tudor Road to the final stretch, which is over by Campbell Tract, which is my favorite. It is your favorite, but before we get to your favorite, which I think the first time I took the kids out to experience um, the Iditarod ceremonial start was there, and it was in the rain. Oh, it was yeah. one of those mild winters. It was that year. It was that year. Uh, but before we get to it, first things first, uh, if, you'll, if you like, if you're liking what you're hearing so far, uh, again, we ask that you consider supporting a future episode of Alaska on the go. We're talking family travel, kids, tips, tricks, um, all within the theme of Alaska. No one else is doing it, so why not join us? Uh, you know, we have years and years, when I say we, I mean Erin Kirkland. <laughs> I just I just throw myself in. You're, we're we now, Because James. I can. Yes, right. we yes. are now we. We are we. Uh, years and years, decades of experience, um, when it comes to family travel here in Alaska. So uh, the scope of knowledge that Aaron has really is, uh, it, it's unbelievable. So you will learn so much, the ins and outs of family travel, the best places to go and how to do it. There's, it, if you're maybe a new parent, then you're just starting to understand how much goes into actually getting out the door and going somewhere with kids and the equipment and the clothes. Amen. And, and, and it's, it's an undertaking. So you should see Unlike James right other. now covering his eyes with his hands. Like, cause he has four kids at home, two teenagers and two schoolagers and getting everyone out the door. We all know what that's like. You can be the most adventurous single person, but once you have kids, it all changes, James. I'm it just, all changes. I'm just thinking about all the times that we set to leave. We're going to leave at, at three and <laughs> then we leave at five o'clock, two hours later. And that's fine. I most love you time. all. Most of the time. Yeah. It's most uh, of the time. but but all right, so I did a rod 2019. We have we've taken you from the ceremonial start downtown. Yep. We've brought you down Cordova Street, down the Chester Creek Trail to the Goose Lake University Lake area. Right. Now we're in the home stretch. We're headed to Campbell Airstrip, your favorite spot. Right. And let me tell you why that whole Campbell Airstrip backing up into the Campbell Tract, which is couple hundred acres of beautiful spruce forest, uh, super quiet in there. But the Campbell airstrip is the end of the line for that first day. And when you're standing along this airstrip, it's a real deal airstrip, folks. So you've got this sweeping view of teams as they're coming down the airstrip, but you've got the mountains behind you. You can see everyone and everybody. And we call it, that's our trail gate. Do you like that? I like that. Do you like that? That's, yes, yeah. trail gate. Trail gate. So that has been our traditional trail gate. When uh, our son was younger, it would be a place for him to play in the woods. He would build forts with his pals, and he'd put on some skis and go skiing while we're waiting for teams. Because, you know, teams start every two minutes, James, but it just doesn't end up that way. No, no, no. Sometimes it's... you have 10 minutes between. Sometimes you have 30 seconds between teams. It just kind of depends. So there's always a little bit of, of hurry up and wait. So Campbell Airstrip is a good spot if you want to do that. But 
what happens at the Campbell Creek Science Center, which is kind of smack in the middle of the Campbell Track. They have their uh, Bureau of Land Management BLM facility, and they are hosting an open house. They've been doing this for several years. It's uh, between 11 and 2 on Saturday. You can go and get a hot drink. You can learn about the Iditarod National Historic Trail, which is actually starts in Seward. Okay, so it's yes. a long one. It is a very long one, and it's a former trade route, um, and it was they delivered mail that way, and that's kind of how this whole thing got started. So this trail, there's a real push to rejuvenate the trail all the way from Seward. So you go and learn a little bit about that. There's some crafts and activities for kids, but all in all, it's a great place to just go and kind of regroup and warm up. If you want to eat lunch inside, you can bring your lunch inside and kind of hang out, depending on what the weather's doing. But really important, James, you cannot drive into there. So you're going to have to take a shuttle. Okay. Um, the shuttle is actually a, a brilliant way to go. You can catch it from Kassoon Elementary, which is right before the entrance to Campbell Creek Science Center, or you can go up to Abbott Loop Community Park, which is an enormous parking lot. You can walk from there to the backside it's of the It's not airship. that far. No, it's really not. But, you know, if you got little kids or if you got a lot of gear, sometimes we have our barbecue, mm -hmm. things like that, hop on a shuttle. It's free. They run all day long, and it'll drop you off right at the front door to to uh, Camel Creek Science Center. And it's a, it's a great way to go. So you can go inside, you can go outside, you can go inside. Kids do that. Yeah. In, I think out. that's the most important thing I've gleaned yeah. is I understand where it is now, but I also know that there's an opportunity yes. from when the kids say that they're freezing cold and they can't feel, yep. feel their fingers anymore or their toes, uh, that we have a place to go to warm up. Uh, and I think more importantly, this stuff is building up in the throat. We can get some... <laughs> <clears throat> some hot cocoa, yes. something hot to drink. Something uh, to do. Those those spots are super important. It's like we were we were down for uh for Rondi. We talked about it earlier in the podcast. This big winter uh festival carnival downtown. If you're from out of town, and we were by the snow sculptures, freezing. Oh, but yeah. I know that over at the Ulu factory, right. they've got hot cocoa, and oh. so that oh yeah, so oh. that's like a prime. I know this. Hello. Can't feel my fingers. I'm gonna go over there. That's right. So knowing where the the warm weather is, so to speak, and the hot beverages are, is uh, I think sometimes the key to survival with the kiddos. Yeah, I know it know, puts me at ease. Yeah, and pace yourself, folks. I mean, the teams will start showing up at the Camel Tracks uh, about an hour after the start. So 11-ish, maybe noon-ish, uh, you can get down there. Uh, you don't really have to worry about it since you're not trying to fight your way parking-wise into the the uh, visitor center so you just go park hop on the shuttle and if your kids get bored after two or three teams fine let them find something else to do and go in and learn a little bit about the uh, historic trail and then come back out but again the weather looks to be great so i think this is going to be another exceptional i did around here so start planning right now yes yeah unlike a few years ago i was mentioning it earlier oh. the first time that i went to campbell airstrip was to meet up with you but as usual we were running super late so I think you may have – I think you already left by then, and we – speaking of getting there late. Could have been. We got there around around 2.30, yep. and folks should know that All this done. thing typically over by 2 or 3 o'clock. Yes, those so. mushers want to get uh, done and out of there because they have to schlep themselves and all their dogs and all their stuff. Remember, they've unpacked it. Now they got to repack it, mm -hmm. and they got to drive up to Willow. Some of them are going to go home. Some of them are going to regroup what dogs are going to use. Uh, so they've got a lot to worry about. So they're not going to hang around any longer than they have to. So you really need to be there probably by one okay. if you want to catch any teams at all. Right. Bring <laughs> some chairs. You can just put them yeah. right up against the line. That's what yep. we did. We ended up in the woods because it was raining. Yeah. I'll never yeah, forget. Was it was cute, though. We had snacks, and the boys, yeah. they were small enough then to just both sit in the same chair. Yeah. And we just off in the woods. We watched from in the woods. 
And Why not? Cheered the mushrooms on and had snacks and then and then called it a day. But even in the cold and rain, you know, it was something we still wanted to experience and watch. You know, it's just there's just something something about it. Well, I did a rod as a as an idea and a concept really gives people a real life exposure to life up here. So sometimes, yeah, the weather doesn't cooperate. Um, sometimes it's beautiful. Sometimes dogs don't cooperate, kind of like kids. Yeah, sometimes. Yes, yeah, yeah, sometimes. But it's it's a spectacularly fun day. Uh, you get a slice of life. You see what Alaskans are doing. And Alaskans, it's where the chance we get together with people we only get together with during the, you know our trailgate. And we have a lot of fun. So get started on Saturday. Right. And then they're back up to Willow. Oh, Willow on typically, usually Willow, unless there's an issue. But this year, I think there's been yep, enough everything snow. Everything is all everything good. Is, I actually just go. drove by there on Sunday. Uh, the Junior Iditarod finished up there. So next year, we're going to we're gonna go follow the Junior Iditarod man. So these are young mushers under the age of 18 who are uh, taking their first test of an overnight trip, overnight race, long distance race. So I checked them out coming back in over the weekend, and there's plenty of snow at Willow Lake. But here's the thing about the Willow Lake start. Because it's 50 plus miles from Anchorage, they don't start the race until 2 p.m. So factor that in, folks. It's going to take you hour, hour and a half because of traffic. If you've ever driven the Parks Highway on a crowded summer day, multiply that by about 10 because everyone's trying to get to the Willow Community Center uh, to find parking. So they start at 2 p.m., it's a little more rugged. There's fewer facilities for folks. So you're going to also end up walking quite a distance. You do want to bring a sled to this one because we pile our lunch and we pile our hand warmers and our extra boots and all the stuff and we schlep it all the way across the highway down onto the lake. So you actually walk onto Willow Lake. They have it all set up and the mushers take off again every two minutes starting at 2 p.m. into the woods and they're on their way to Yetna. On their way. Uh, stop, On their way. Stop number. That's so. That's stop number one. Stop number one. But yep. the last stop, that of course is Nome, and for I guess some of the uh, the best mushers in the world, that's that right. can take about eight days. It can. It's fun. So what I've been hearing is that the snow depth this year, there's quite a bit of snow. So let's use some physics here. That is going to slow down a sled yeah. significantly. So there, you know, Mitch Seavey's done it super fast. He's won a couple times. His son Dallas, wow, Dallas really screamed in just over a week, right? I mean, that's pretty fast stuff. But typically eight to 10 days, we should be seeing some results. But you can go to Iditarod.com and become an Iditarod insider. And if you become an insider, you can follow the GPS trackers that every sled has. It's so cool, James. And kids, classes of kids. I'm following some kids um, who are uh, in a school back east, and they're picking out their mushers right now so that they can follow along. So you can become an Iditarod insider and, and be able to track the mushers. So it's not like they're going to show up and you're going to miss it. Right. And you can yeah. pick your favorite musher, oh, keep yeah. an eye on them, and that's one of the cooler parts yeah. about the Iditarod is uh, all uh, typically most of these mushers, they all have – they all have different day jobs. You know, there are teachers, there are... Uh, there's doctors, there's a funeral director. There's the funeral director, the mush and mortician. Uh, mush and mortician, Scott Jansen. Yeah. There's folks who just run dogs. There's people who have tours. Jeff King has Husky Homestead up there in Denali. Martin Boozer, I mean, he's he's a legend. Yeah. Uh, so everybody does different things. Ramey Smith, who's, uh, his family's become good friends of ours. He does, you know, contracting and construction during the off, off season. But 
everyone loves their dogs and loves what they do. And when Iditarod time comes around, they are completely focused on that. Yeah, I like to root for the underdogs, not to win, because a lot of these folks, they're just, you know they're not going to beat the mm -hmm. season pros, but for them, it's really just about finishing the race. That oh That gosh. is a win for them. I mean, they're a school teacher down in the lower 48 somewhere who had this on their bucket list, yep. and they really truly don't 100% know what they're, you know, just kind of fake it till you make, like, they're just going to go and do it, obviously with, with the health of their dogs in mind, but, you know, they're just looking to get up here and this is this is That's an adventure right. and it's an experience and That's so right. i think it's pretty cool it's very brave of them i don't know if i could do it even living here i don't know if it's something i could tackle it's i don't know it's pretty either. amazing yeah i mean they have to be very prepared for all kinds of scenarios and there's been there's been violent storms there's been moose there's been all kinds of things humans uh, getting yeah. in the way i mean there's been some interesting things and, and a musher has to be completely self-sufficient they have a whole list of stuff that they're required to carry just in case something happens. So uh, it's a pretty exciting test of the, the human spirit, I guess. It you is. Know? I yeah. mean, I, my, my poor fingertips get cold after 20 minutes yeah, in the no wind joke. taking photos. I don't know about a thousand miles to Gnome. All right, speaking yeah. of Gnome, uh, each, talk gnome, each week, each podcast, each however we're episode? going to frame it, episode. That's right. much better. Episode. Thank you, Aaron. You're welcome. That's why you're the expert. Uh, each episode, uh, we will have a, uh, a, a destination. Uh, uh, we're going to showcase... An Alaska destination, and being we're talking Iditarod, and we're talking about that final destination of Nome. Nome is the place. There's no place like Nome. There is no place like Nome. That that was good. Huh? She didn't write that. It was right on the spot, folks. Yeah. That was. We have ear to ear, <laughs> ear to ear cheesy grins right now. Uh, so this little town, uh, it's off the coast of Norton Sound. That's right. And, and um, I'm thinking a lot of people who uh, not from Alaska may not know a lot about it. So everybody thinks they know a little bit about Nome because everyone is familiar with the great diphtheria outbreak that kind of started this whole concept of, of racing sled dogs to Nome. So 1925, there was a diphtheria outbreak. There was not enough serum to inoculate everybody. People were getting sick. People were dying. And so there became this rush to try to ship some serum from Anchorage to Nome. They ended up getting it there. Eventually, Nome was saved, and the legend of Balto and Togo, we should talk about Togo sometime because he's really the hero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Look up Togo, everybody. All he, right. He's an underserved. Didn't get the credit no, he deserved, huh? No, he didn't. Okay. I know. Balto. They made a movie about Balto. So Nome is a former gold rush town. Did you know that? I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of – Wyatt Earp. Lived in Nome for a time. I even saw his cabin. I, that, I didn't yeah. know. That. Wyatt Earp. Sounds like Wyatt Earp made the rounds of Alaska for a while. And, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure he wore out his welcome or he just was looking for other centers of debauchery to conquer. I'm right. not really right. sure. But you don't want to leave anything out. He ended up in Nome. So if you visit Nome today, so a lot of people think the only time to visit Nome is during the Iditarod. And actually... Uh, as one who travels with kids, Nome is not really a family destination during Iditarod. It's, uh, there's not a lot of activities to do that don't center around the several the saloon? beverage establishments. Right? Gotcha. Yeah, and, and it's everything's crowded. If you want to stay in Nome during the Iditarod, uh, two years from now, you should make your reservations today. Oh. It's okay. ve yeah, very limited place to stay. I knew it gets, the party gets yeah. hopping there, but I didn't realize. Yeah. Okay. So what happens is when a team comes into Nome under the Burl Darts, and it really is a, a 
big, huge, made out of a couple trees with these big burls, so there's knots on them. So if it's in the middle of the night, the middle of the day, the fire station sounds their horn, which indicates to the entire town that a team is coming in across the sound. It's super cool. And everybody goes out along Front Street there and watches the team come in and go under the burled arch. So four in the morning, two in the morning, midnight, doesn't matter. It's pretty cool. But for kids, it can be a little stressful um, and there's really not much else to do out there. So I like to recommend people go to Nome the other three seasons. Okay. So summertime and early fall, Nome is just this grassy, beautiful, beautiful area. Lots of birds, lots of hiking. You can actually go pan for gold yourself. Can you keep what you, you find? You absolutely can. There's a couple outfits there that'll put you up. They have cabins. Uh, you can ride some mountain bikes, pan for some gold, and uh, check out the real deal. So there's some gold dredges that are just there, just sitting there from the gold rush. You can take a tour and explore all that. The mayor of Nome. Now, do you know about the mayor of Nome? I do know about the mayor of Nome. Richard I've had Benville. the opportunity of interviewing. Yeah, <sighs> great guy. He is Richard Benville. Hello, Central. Sing you a tune? That's right. Former Broadway actor, now the mayor. Uh, he's an amazing evangelist of this community uh, up north. And if you get the chance to meet and hang out with Richard, then you, you've got Nome dialed in. So if you need, uh, well, you will need to find some places to stay and places to eat. So here's my recommendation, James. You just go to visitnomealaska.com. Mm -hmm. They will help you figure out how to get up there. You can fly Alaska Airlines. Alaskans, use your miles. Use your miles. 7,000 miles. Boom, boom, boom. Way cheaper. Raven, Alaska also flies up to Nome now. Um, either way, Raven has their rewards program as well. It might be easier to use Alaska Airlines just because of the simplicity. Um, but you can get up there. Now, some people just go for the day, James. That's okay. Yeah, and I've done that. You fly up early in the morning and you fly out at 7 p.m. Uh, there's plenty to do in a whole day, especially if you're on an organized tour with Gnome Discovery Tours, Richard, um, and then you can get out of there. But if you really want to stay overnight, there's uh, a couple options that the Visitor Bureau will help you figure out. But it's beautiful. It's worth it. Lots of birds. Lots of birds? Lots of birds. Okay, so if yeah. you're a bird watcher. Even if you're not, it's just really exciting. You know, it's really interesting to see the wildlife that comes and goes from this area of Alaska. People think it's a very desolate area, and it's gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous. So, All right. And musk ox. Musk ox come right into I town. I love musk ox. Musk ox. They come into town, and sometimes you have do to really? kind of shoot. Yeah, they do. They just wander in? Yeah, they do. Oh, there's yeah. wild musk ox? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you got to be careful with that, and they'll, they'll tell you all about that. Oh. That's new to that the is new Wild to me. West. That that might be the the biggest thing I take from doing this episode with you. Really? Is that there are wild musk ox. Yes, I think Nome. I have a picture of them. One time we flew in, we could see them. All right. So we've taken you from Anchorage to Nome in just about thirty minutes. That's that's hey, what that's we were not bad. that's what we were shooting for for episode number one was thirty minutes. We we feel like that is that is just right. That's and, a good time. And thank you everyone for hanging out with us. Um, James and I are, are really excited about pulling this podcast together, and you know, fits and starts. We'll get we'll get it going. Yeah, it's just the start. Um, of course, you can always uh, send us an email if there's something you want us to cover. If you have if you have some constructive criticism, really just just say good things. Oh, though. just be nice. Come just on. be nice and send good things. Come on, we, but, this uh, is fun, everybody. Yeah, that's what it's all about. And uh, you know, if, if we can help you figure anything out, or if there's a topic you want us to touch on. We'd love to do it. Uh, Alaska on the go. So spell all of that out. A-L-A-S-K-A-O-N-T-H-E-G-O. Alaska on the go at wow. gmail.com. Wow. It's really that simple. It is simple. And of course, 
Uh, it's the only podcast exploring the 49th state and uh, sponsoring an episode of Alaska on the go will ensure its success. Um, we could, we could really use your help. So let us know. We'll get you on board as easy as that. And you can find Alaska on the go really anywhere that you like to listen to your podcasts. So I guess now we just, what, we just say goodbye? We just say thanks a lot, and I'm Aaron Kirkland with AK yeah. On The Go. And... Yeah, it's not goodbye, it's see you later. Yeah. We'll keep you posted as to when episode two, uh, to find out when episode two, what it is and when it'll be coming out. Obviously, just check where you listen to your podcast, but you can go to akonthego.com. That's right, we'll have it in there. And Facebook. And Facebook, AK On The Go. Even Twitter, AK On The Go. Yep. All of those locations. Anything AK On The Go. Anything and everything. Hey, right. I guess that does it for us. That's right. Keep exploring, everybody. The Alaska On The Go podcast. <laughs>